Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's, it's good to be here today. Uh, again, uh, as you saw the video earlier, uh, we had a blast last weekend at Paws. Where are my students at? We got any students in the room here right now? Let's go. Um, I'm still recovering. Like, I don't know. It's been a week and I'm still like trying to catch up on my sleep. But, uh, but I'm excited to be here this morning. And um, man, Jesus moved last week. And what Jesus is doing in this generation is mind-blowing. I'm so excited about it. And I'm glad that, to be a part of a church that is for this generation. Uh, but hey, for those of y'all that don't know me, I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. Again, my name is Joe. And I'm excited because this morning we're continuing in uh, our series called More. And uh, I'm excited about this series more because this is something that I've been praying for for a long time. And I really believe that this series is going to be a launching pad for this year and all that God wants to do in us and through us as a church and personally and in our families and our schools, communities and beyond. You know, uh, my wife Leslie and I, when we were deciding to move here, this was a prayer that we regularly prayed um, together, this prayer that we've been looking at out of Ephesians 3, uh, that, that God would do more in us and that he would do more through us. And, uh, and thinking about that, I truly believe that as a followers of Jesus, we should always be wanting more. We should always be wanting more. You know, I've been seeing this series of AT&T commercials that have been coming on a lot recently. And it's a series of commercials that are about um, not being okay with okay. And maybe you've seen these commercials every time I open up the ESPN app or I open, turn on YouTube TV, like they're on over and over again. And I can't help but laugh every single time. But I also think about where we are as a church and what we're going through. Y'all check out this video. Have you ever worked for Dr. Francis? Oh yeah, he's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay. <laughs> just okay is not okay. Maybe you've seen those commercials or you've seen the one of the just okay mechanic. Nobody wants that. Or the just okay tattoo artist. Yeah, I'm going to give my arm to an just okay tattoo artist. Or the just okay babysitter. Like no one wants that. No one wants to settle for just okay. That's why they have me up here preaching today. Like, <laughs> that's why, yeah. <laughs> but listen, we should never be okay with a just okay kind of faith with a just okay kind of relationship with Jesus, with a just okay kind of involvement in our church, with a just okay kind of prayer life, with a just okay kind of connection with people. No, 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 no. We should be a people that are not okay, that won't settle for okay. We won't fall into complacency. No, 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 no. We need to constantly be moving and pushing forward and asking God to do more in us and more through us. And so in this series of more, we've been looking at this passage of scripture, if you have your Bibles, that's in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, if you have your Bibles, open up to that. And this is where we're getting this idea of more, not settling for okay, wanting more, wanting to move forward. And this letter is written by a guy named Paul to a church in Ephesus, but this letter's for us as well. It's for the church today as well. And uh, he writes this prayer for more for the church and we're going to begin in verse 14 and this is what I need you to do. I have a couple words or phrases that are underlined in here and in this passage as I get to these phrases I need you to say them out loud with me okay it's going to help us out this morning and so when I get to those phrases say it out loud with me beginning in verse 14 this is what he says he says for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he continues on and he says, now to him who is able to do far more, yeah, y'all got it, more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul, he prays for the church and for us to experience this more that God has in store for us. And we've been talking a lot about how we believe Jesus wants to do more in us and through us and around us and and that we don't want to settle. We want to ask God for more. But the problem, the problem is that I believe that this more cannot and will not happen apart from us choosing to come together and connect with one another in community. See, I believe that we need, that we have been designed, we have been created for connection through community with one another. And if if we're going to see God do more in us and through us this year, then we're going to have to come together and connect with one another through community. You see, community is something that deep down we all need, we all crave, but it's something that a lot of times we're pretty bad at fighting for. We struggle to find or a lot of us ever even experience. See, it doesn't matter your Enneagram type. It doesn't matter your Myers-Briggs situation. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or if you're an extrovert or if you're some kind of supervert. It doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. There's something hardwired deep within each of our souls that longs for and craves community connection with people through community. It's embedded into our DNA. If you look all the way back to Genesis, the story in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that when God creates the first man, Adam, he creates Adam out of the dust and he creates him in his image, in the image of God, to reflect God's nature to the rest of the world, which includes God's relational nature to the rest of the world. But there's a problem. Adam was the only human on earth. Who's the only one there. Like, can you imagine being Adam alone in this garden, the only man on earth? Like FX, they tried to make a TV show about it, Last Man on Earth, and they struggled because they had to add characters like two episodes in. It, it, it's tough to imagine being the only person on earth. And so God in all of his wisdom and goodness looks down and he says, it is not good that man should be alone. It's not good that man or woman should be alone. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt alone? Dad's in the room on that working grind, working day in, day out, going from meeting to meeting, from driving in the car to traveling on the plane, on the phone, maybe working in the garage or in your office, traveling from place to place to place, always moving, constantly moving. Dads, have you ever felt alone? Moms, moms, have you ever felt alone? Working maybe in the office or working at home, taking care of the baby all day? 
all day long, day after day after day, and then traveling maybe from school to sporting events to back to school and then to friends' houses and then to the moon and back. Like, moms, do you ever feel alone? Single adult, do you ever feel alone? Striving in your career, trying to exceed and trying to trying to be better and to grow and you're searching for maybe some community. Do you ever feel alone college student sitting in that classroom full of a crowd of people studying, working, trying to just make it through? Do you ever feel alone? Middle school, high school student, do you ever feel alone walking through the hallways in this sea of people wondering where do I fit in? Does anyone notice me? Do I even matter? Working on homework late at night in your bedroom, like, do you ever feel alone? See, loneliness is something that we've all wrestled with, that we've all struggled with, that we can all identify with. See, in a recent study I was looking at, uh, out of the group of people that were researched, 100% of the people studied said that they experience a level of loneliness on a weekly basis, every single week. They experience some level, some form of loneliness. In fact, in this generation, this day and age, we are more globally connected, but more locally isolated than ever before. Like these things, this incredible tool, this phone, these iPhones that connect us with people all across the globe. Like I can, I can do Bible plans with people here and people around the world. I can talk to my grandma in Australia. Like I can have a relationship with people all across the globe. But somehow this tool, has caused us to struggle to find community and relationship around us. We're more globally connected, but more locally isolated than ever before. In fact, this one study on millennials, they were doing this study on millennials and, and their desire for community, and it says, they, they had this quote, and it says this. It says that millennials are not the spiritual consumers of their parents' generation, which, duh, they're a lot different. Rather, they are seeking both a deep spiritual experience and a community experience. Each of them provides meaning in their lives and each is meaningless without the other. Did you catch that? Millennials, they can't separate this spiritual experience and a community experience. They need both of them. They rely on both of them. And I beg to bet that it's the same for Generation Z as well. And if we want to be a church, if we want to be a people that are reaching, as Paul prayed earlier, all generations, all generations, all groups of people, if we want to be a people that are reaching the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, then we're going to have to learn how to win in this area of community. We're going to have to learn how to fight for relationship with people in the context of community. We're going to have to come together because if if people can't find community in the local church, then they're going to look for it elsewhere. They're going to look for it somewhere else. You know, I was reading this story recently uh, about this movement, this gathering. It's called the Sunday Assembly. And the Sunday Assembly was started by two comedians. They were on their way to a show one night, and they started talking about um, how they wanted to create some, corner, some kind of a group uh, gathering of people, a lot like a church, but totally secular, totally um, inclusive of all people, no matter what they believed. And so they decided to start the first ever Sunday Assembly. And the first gathering took place on June 6, 2013, and they had just over 200 people that showed up to the first gathering. And then the next gathering, they had 300, and then soon after, these people were calling from these different cities and countries, and they were asking, hey, can we start our own Sunday assembly? 
And so soon uh, later, now today, there's over 70 chapters in over eight different countries. And this is what they do. They meet up each Sunday. They sing some songs together. They hear some inspiring talks. And they build communities with one another. Sounds a lot like a church, right? Sounds a whole lot like a church. In fact, this is their mission statement. It says, life is short. It is brilliant. It's sometimes tough. But we build communities that help everyone live life as fully as possible. See, even the secular world's caught on. There's something wired deep down within us that needs community. That needs community. See, these different organizations and gatherings have started to come up like Sunday Assembly or even CrossFit. Have y'all heard of the religion of CrossFit? They've taken exercising and pumping like protein into your muscles and drinking creatine and doing keto diets and all that stuff. They've turned this crazy bench pressing stuff into this community. It's almost like a religion now. There's other organizations such as Soul Cycle or Live in the Gray or Dinner Party, these different groups that have started because people realize that we were created for community. We're created for community. It's deep within our souls. We desire, we crave it. God hardwired it into our very beings. And the reality is, is that even in the local church, community's hemorrhaging, noise levels are increasing. Attention spans are dwindling and we can't seem to find the time for real relationships. Have you ever noticed that? Have you noticed that? Like we make excuse after excuse after excuse for why we're not connected with people. I just don't have time. My work schedule is too crazy. Do you know how much homework I have? Do you know the pressures that I feel right now? I don't have time for friends. I've got to travel. I've got to go here. I also got to go see that new movie that came out. I also got to go on vacation. I've got to go mountain bike. I've got all these things going on and we make excuse after excuse after excuse all while we're living and dwelling in these levels of isolation, experiencing loneliness week after week after week. And see, even in the church, sometimes we've taken this idea of community and we said, hey, you know what? All that really matters is husband and wife. And as long as you're married, then you've got all the community that you need. But then we forget about the other community that God calls us to in the Bible, like friendship with other believers, uh, mentorship, discipleship, community within the church. God has created us, hardwired it deep within our souls, this need, this desire for community. See, even Jesus, before Jesus performed a single miracle, before he went and healed a single person, Jesus gathered together 12 random ragtag dudes from different walks of life, from different careers, from different backgrounds, from all different areas. He gathered this group of dudes together that he laughed with and cried with and went on adventures with and ended up changing the world with these 12 guys. You know, people talk a lot about the different miracles that Jesus performed, but no one ever talks about the miracle it is that Jesus had 12 close friends in his 30s. Like that's, that's a miracle. Like I found this meme the other day right here. I found this meme and I, was just, I just started cracking up. Like that's so true. How many people in your 30s do you know that have 12 co- close friends? He found something out. He figured something out. But I know I was thinking about it. Like if I could turn water into wine, I feel like I would have like 122 close friends in my 30s. Am I right? <laughs> People will be coming from all over like, hey, hey, I, I need to be friends with you. See, Jesus grabbed these random dudes, Peter, James, John, his three favorite. And they had Andrew and Philip and Thaddeus, weird name, Simon the Zealot, James part two. There was Matthew. 
There was Bartholomew. There was even Judas, the traitor, and I'm forgetting one more. But see, Jesus gathered together this group of guys, and he said, hey, listen, come follow me. Draw close to me. Let's be friends. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to call you out when you're being dumb and crazy and stupid and sometimes call you uh, Satan and tell you to get behind me. Like, I'm going to, I am going to change your life. Come together. Stay together. See, Jesus modeled for us what community can and should look like. Jesus modeled for us spiritual community. He modeled for us what it looks like to have brothers around you that are fighting for you and that are loving on you. And then Jesus, knowing the power of this community, before he goes to the cross, before Jesus goes to the cross to be executed, to die, to pay for the sins of the world so that we could have relationship with God, before he goes to the cross, he's in this garden in John 17 and he's praying. And he's kneeling down before the Father and he's praying this prayer. And one of the things he says in this prayer is this. He says, I do not ask for these only. So he's saying, not just for the people that already believe, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Check this out. Jesus prayed this prayer knowing that the greatest way that we could reflect him to the rest of the world, the greatest way that we could reach the, the rest of the world and show them the love of Jesus would be that we would come together and we would live in community and we would be one. You know, it's pretty hard to be one with people that you don't know. It's pretty hard to be one with people that you've never had a meal with. It's pretty, one to, it's pretty hard to be one with people that you're in complete disagreement and argue with constantly and are angry at. It's pretty hard to be one with people that you never come together with, that you never meet with. It's pretty hard. See, the writer of Hebrews, he even knew this in, uh, in Hebrews 10. He writes this, he says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know what makes us look more like Jesus? When we're surrounded by people. When we're surrounded by other people that know Jesus and love Jesus and want to call out areas of our lives where we're struggling. Want to be there to encourage one another and pray for one another. Want to be there to lift you up when you fall down. Be there to celebrate with you when you experience the highs of life like don't you want that he says you find that when you meet together when you meet together you want to have someone with you celebrating when you get married continue meeting together fight for that community do you want to have someone there when you have a baby like Leslie and I, we, we talk about all the time how thankful we are that we had friends that came alongside us to help us prepare as much as possible because you can only prepare so much to have a child and they came alongside us and prayed for us and loved on us. And we're so thankful. So thankful for that because we have community. Community. This writer of Hebrews is saying that, hey, do you want to live out this oneness that Jesus prayed for? Okay, don't stop meeting together. Don't stop gathering together. Don't stop having those pizza parties, those barbecue parties. Don't stop gathering together for the Super Bowl. Don't stop having your small group. Don't forget about your group. Don't run from people. Don't live in isolation, but meet together. That's how you're going to 
reflect this nature of Jesus to the rest of the world. See, community ultimately makes you and me look more like Jesus. It makes us look more like Jesus. It brings out the good in us, people to call out our blind spots, people to say, hey, you know what? You're being really selfish this week. Maybe some people don't want that if we're struggling with arrogance or pride, but, but if you want to be better and be more like Jesus, then you need people in your life that are going to call it the blind spots, that are going to tell you when you're messing up, but then are also going to be there just to come alongside you and pray for you and love on you and encourage you. See, Solomon, King Solomon, in uh, Psalms, in the Proverbs, he talks about this idea of us being like iron sharpening iron, coming together. And I think in like Christian world, sometimes we say, yeah, I just want to be like, I want this God to sharpen me like iron and it's going to be so awesome. We think it's like all like pancakes and butterflies and rainbows. And, but the reality is, is it's not. Like this iron sharpening iron, it requires work. It requires meeting together, even when you don't feel like it and you don't want to. It requires work. Sometimes community is tough. Sometimes you experience pain and you experience hurt and you experience loss. Sometimes it's tough having people stretch you and grow you and chisel out the junk in your life. But it says, don't stop meeting together like iron sharpening iron. We're going to chisel away the stuff in our lives so that we can look more and more like Jesus. See, Jesus modeled for us what this community can and should look like. And this community that we live in and that we fight for begins to make us look more and more like Jesus. And so, are you tired of being lonely? Are you tired of feeling all alone on a weekly basis? Wondering if there's anyone out there that knows what you're going through. Wondering if there's anyone out there that knows that you're struggling with depression, loneliness, even thoughts of suicide. Are you wondering... If anyone even knows, if you find community, if you step into community, there will be people there that you know you can lean on and come alongside you and be there for you, mountaintops and in the valleys. See, this prayer that we've been looking at in Ephesians 3 uh, that Paul prays, it's sandwiched between these two very important ideas and prayers and challenges that he gives to the church. See, in Ephesians 2, Paul starts by talking about how each of us, we were dead, spiritually dead in our sin before knowing Jesus, but then Jesus raised us to life in him. And he says, you were once walking in darkness, but now you're walking in light. And then he makes this, he makes this statement in Ephesians 2, 19 through 21. And he says, so then, so because of what Jesus has done, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's awesome. We were strangers, aliens, distant, far off. But in Jesus, we've been brought together. We have community, members of the household of God, family, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So he is our rock, he's our foundation. Everything is built on Jesus in whom the whole structure, the church being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, grows, experiences more, experiences the more that God has for us. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. 
And then he goes into this prayer for more. He's talking about come together, come together, grow together. And as you grow together, you're going to look more like Jesus. And you're going to look more like Jesus to the rest of the world. Then he prays this prayer for more. And then in Ephesians 4, he's like, hey, in case you forgot, let me remind you that you're created for community. And that the way that you're going to reach people is by being community, by being connected in community. And so he starts to go through these phrases talking about we have one God, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. He's talking about being united. And then he continues in Ephesians 4. He wraps, us, wraps up this little section by saying, rather, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, let me just pause on that for a second because I believe that there's some people that don't have anyone in their life that's speaking truth to them in love. And when people speak truth to you in love, you begin to look more like Jesus. We are to grow up in every way to him, into him, Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, I believe that what Paul's getting at here is if we want to experience the more that God has for us, if we want to experience more of him in our lives, if we want to experience more for our families, for our church and beyond, then we're going to have to learn to fight for relationship within the family of God, to fight for relationship within the family of God that God has called us to. To come together and say, you know what? There's nothing that's gonna separate us in this moment. We're called to live in community and I wanna look more like Jesus. Do you wanna look more like Jesus? Cool, all right, let's get together and let's meet together and let's have some fun together. Let's even laugh together, but let's grow together as one and experience the more that God has for us. Everyone needs community. I look back at my own life and I look back at the areas and the times of my life when I felt far from God. The times of my life where I felt like I wasn't hearing from God. The times of my life where maybe I was short with my wife or maybe rude to people around me or selfish or filled with this pride. And those times were distinct moments in my life where I was isolating myself from community. Isolating myself from community. No one to speak into my life. Tell me I was being crazy. Tell me I was being dumb and selfish. No one to slap me upside the head. I was isolating myself, but the times in my life when I see that God was moving and God was growing me and teaching me and I was hearing from him and I was growing closer to him are the times that I was connected with a group of brothers that were next to me, there building me up, praying for me, alongside me, loving on me, challenging me, encouraging me, there to have adventure with, go on adventures with, to cry with and even laugh together with and have fun. You know, I think one of the things that we do really good um, at here as a staff is fighting for a relationship uh, within our staff, trying to be family within our staff. And there's several things that we do um, for that. But one of the things that we do is that um, every other month or so, the, the pastors will get away and they'll spend a day or so off-site, uh, away from the offices to meet together and to pray together, um, to build one another up, to challenge each other, to call out blind spots in each other's lives, to, to uh, call out some weaknesses, some things that we're struggling with, to help each other grow, to pray for the rest of the staff and our teams, pray for our church and to plan and dream and vision, and all these awesome things. And it just so happened to be that a, f a few weeks ago, this off-site day landed on the grand opening day of Chick-fil-A Hickory Flat. And uh, 
Chick-fil-A, for those of y'all who don't know, uh, every time that they open a new store, they will do this thing. They have this like camp out for the first 100 people that want to stay in their parking lot for 24 hours and win free Chick-fil-A for a year. Like who wouldn't want to win free Chick-fil-A for a year? Like that's exciting. You need that good Christian chicken. Like you need to get you some of those waffle fries and that Chick-fil-A sandwich. And so so knowing that this grand opening was falling on the day of our offsite, us pastors, we got together, led by Drew Adams, and, and we decided that we were going to convince Stephen Gibbs to let us spend 24 hours in the parking lot of Chick-fil-A on our off-site day meeting together. And so we devised this plan and we, we worked, it, worked it all up and, and we came together and we got, we got Stephen in a room and we said, hey, Stephen, this is what we want to do. We want to meet together at Chick-fil-A parking lot. But here's the stipulation. Like once we're there and we're one of the first 100 people at 6 a.m. on the Tuesday before they open, then we have to stay there. Can't even leave the parking lot for 24 hours. Like, are you okay with that? And we, we begged and pleaded and we're on our knees and and... Finally, he was like, okay, 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 I'll do it. We'll do it. We'll, we'll meet off-site in Chick-fil-A for 24 hours. And this is what it looked like. Just look at Joey right there. Like, what is happening? But this was Stephen's response. He said, hey, I don't care about the free Chick-fil-A. Doesn't matter to me. It's not worth staying in a parking lot all day for, but I will do it for the experience with you guys. And boy, do we have an experience. Like, it was fun. We, we, we got our tent together. We got camp set up. And we had our chairs and camping chairs. And we set up a folding table. And we worked all day. And we prayed. And we met people. And, and then we worked some more. All the way up into the wee hours. And all throughout the day, they're feeding us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, uh, and then, but really all we wanted all day long were those delicious, sweet, and nutritious Chick-fil-A milkshakes. Can I get an amen for those milkshakes? They are delicious, yes. And so all day long at random times after every meal, we would start chanting, milkshakes, 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 milkshakes. Like we were the rowdy random people that you're like, please kick them out. Like that was us. And, and so we're chanting for milkshakes all day long until it gets about like 10 o'clock at night. And we're thinking they're gonna bring them soon. They got to, like they need to do that. We deserve milkshakes. And, and so all of a sudden, this guy starts walking around with his tray and he's stopping at different tents. And we're like, yes, he's bringing milkshakes. And then he comes to our tent with this tray. And on this tray are these teeny weeny little mini fruit cups, fruit cups. They passed us out fruit cups at 10 o'clock at night. Like I was so mad. We were so confused. Like what is happening? Like you owe us Chick-fil-A. You owe us. We were in your parking lot for 24 hours. Come on. And they didn't bring us those milkshakes. And I think like Stephen secretly snuck inside and was like, hey guys, like, I'm really trying to watch my James Bond like body this year. So if y'all can help me out, like don't bring us milkshakes because I, I can't be that guy that doesn't have one. Like I think that's what happened. But guys, we had a blast. It was so much fun. And so we worked uh, late into the night. And finally, when we decide, hey, it's time to go back into the tent and go to sleep, we, we go into the tent. And if you've ever slept in a tent with six other guys, which I would highly recommend, uh, <laughs> Then, then you know that it takes a while for everyone to fall asleep, right? Like, because there's stories to be shared, there's laughter to be had. And, uh, and so Stephen, knowing how just wild and crazy we are, he said, hey, you know what? Um, you guys sleep in the tent together. I'm gonna sleep in my own personal tent right next to you guys. <laughs> and that way I can hear you, but I can also claim innocence. Like, if you do anything crazy, I'll just claim that I was asleep. And, and so he's in his own, like, personal tent. And it was windy that night, guys. He about flew away. Like, that's what happens when you isolate yourself. Like, he about died, about ended up across the street, blew away. But, but we had so much fun. And the people around us, they all knew we were pastors because we were talking to them. And they all knew we were pastors at Stone Creek Church. And, and I, would bet to, I would bet that they were probably wondering, like, 
these, there's something wrong with these guys. Like, all night long, they wouldn't stop, like, laughing. They wouldn't stop screaming. They were yelling out of their tent. They were telling these crazy, weird stories. They wouldn't stop farting. And, like, I'm sure I'm never going to that church. I'm just waiting for the reviews to come in. But, like, we had so much fun. It was a blast. But listen, all of that, no matter the year-long amount of free Chick-fil-A, like that would not have been worth it to be in a parking lot by ourselves for 24 hours. The reason that it was good, the reason that we experienced more, the reason that we had so much fun is because we were surrounded by brothers that we loved, that we could share stories with, that we could have this experience with that, that made it so much more joyful and awesome and exciting. See, no one would have wanted to be there by themselves but when you come together, man, you experience the more that God has in store for you. Listen, there are people that you know that are craving experiences and stories like that. Or maybe that's you. You're like, Joe, I've never been camping before. I've never had an experience with some guys or girls like that that, that I can remember, that I'll cherish. Like, I don't, I don't remember the last time I had that. But I believe that you can step into that today. And I believe that you can say, hey, no longer am I going to try to isolate myself, but I'm going to step into community. Because I believe when we step into community rather than isolate ourselves, there's no limit to what God can do in us and through us as a church and for us personally and in our families and beyond. And so here's the challenge I have for us today. Challenge I have for us. Because you're either in one or two camps. Either you're in a group or you're not in a group. Either you're in community or you're not in community. See, our vehicle here at Stone Creek to fight for your relationship with people, to fight for you to have connection with people in community, to fight for this community that we've been created for, to fight for the community that makes us look more like Jesus, our vehicle here at Stone Creek for that is groups. And we've been talking about group launch today and we've been talking about how we want every single person to be connected in a group. And groups, our groups here have three, three goals, three goals for it, connection and community like I've been talking about. I want you to be connected with people, discipling relationship, people that are gonna help make you look more like Jesus, experience more of him. And then mission, groups that go beyond their community, beyond their own group into other groups and other communities with the hope and the message of Jesus. Let's tell them about what, who he is and what he's done for them. And so if you're here and you're in a group, the challenge for you is this, invite. Invite somebody into a group. You know the value of groups if you're in a group. You know the value of what it brings to your life. You know the joy that it's brought to your life. Guys, you know that there's some guys that haven't had a meaningful conversation with another man in years that, that could call them out and build them up. And you know you need to bring them into a group. Women, moms connect. My wife, Leslie, she just went into Moms Connect uh, last week because someone invited her. And at Moms Connect, she was like, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. I met other moms that are changing stinky diapers like me and are going through just this baby raising phase and, or have already been through it and I can relate with them. Invite someone into these groups. Invite someone in to experience it. If you're here and you're not in a group, here's the challenge for you to join a group, to join a group. What's your excuse? Because I'm sure you've got an excuse. So what's your excuse? Like what's holding you back from joining a group? Do you maybe feel like you're too messed up? Like that your, your story is too crazy that you're not gonna be able to relate with people? Like, let me just tell you, I know the people leading these groups and I know myself, like we're all messed up. We're all pretty messed up, but that's the beauty of the gospel. 
That's the beauty of Jesus is that it doesn't matter your past mistakes, your present shortfalls or your future failures. There's a place for you. There's a community that wants to welcome you in and say, hey, it doesn't matter if you even don't believe. Like Jason said, he didn't believe and he comes into this group and it was in this group that people loved on him and welcomed him in. And then he met Jesus and his life was forever changed by this group. So maybe you don't believe, we wanna welcome you in. You don't have to believe to belong. Like we wanna welcome you in. There's a place for you. Come and get into a group, join a group because you need it. You're craving it. You desire it deep within your soul. Join a group. Join a group. The great theologian, Stephen Gibbs, he makes this statement all the time. He says this, if you ain't first, you're last. Guys, I'm just kidding. That's, that's Ricky Bobby. But <laughs> he makes this statement all the time. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. But I want to add to that this morning. I want to tweak that just a little bit. If you're okay with okay, walk alone. If you're okay with loneliness, if you're okay with isolation, if you're okay with not having people in your life to lean on, and the struggles, and to strengthen you, and to build you up, and to be there to celebrate with you the good things in life. If you're okay with just being lonely, if you're okay with isolating yourself, walk alone. Walk alone. But if you want more, if you want to experience more of Jesus, if you want more joy in your life, if you want more encouragement in your life, if you want people to pray for you in your life, pray for you and your family and your kids, if you want people to come alongside you and build you up, make you look more like Jesus, if you want more, then walk together. Because we were created for community. We're created for community because community makes us look more like Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know him and hear about him. And I believe that if we want to experience the more that God has for us as a church, this year in 2019 if we want to be the church that says hey we're not settling we're not going to be complacent in our connection we're not going to be stagnant spiritually we're moving forward we want more people to know Jesus we want to know Jesus more ourselves if that's who we are and that's who we want to be then we need to be a people that say hey you know what I'm going to fight for a relationship with people I'm going to step into community and I'm going to watch what Jesus does in me and through me and I believe church that that's who we are and I believe that's the church and the people that God's called us to be. So will you step into community? Will you step into community and get in a group today? Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. God, I thank you that you have not given up on me or any of us. God, that you're pursuing us, you're chasing after us, you want relationship with us. God, you want us to know you so desperately, so deeply, God, that you gave your one and only son so that we could have relationship with you. So God, thank you for loving us. Even when we run from you, even when we isolate ourselves, thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us and calling us your sons and daughters and Jesus. God, I pray for the men and women here that maybe feel lonely or isolated today. God, I pray that this would be a reminder, a challenge. and God, I pray that it would inspire them this morning, God, to stop isolating, but step into and lean into community with each other. God, I pray that you would break down walls that maybe we've built up to keep ourselves from each other. 
God, that you would unite our hearts together, knit our hearts together to beat as one for your, your name and your renown. Jesus, I pray for those of us that are in community and maybe have kind of started to fall out of community or maybe have been making excuses for why we're not in community right now. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would grow relationships, that you would strengthen communities and families. And God, that we would pray for and believe for and experience more of you, Jesus, here and now and today and tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and this year and beyond. Because Jesus, I believe that you've called us to be a people that are not okay with okay, that won't settle, won't relent. And so Jesus, we're asking for more of you. We're believing for more of you. Change our hearts, Lord. Transform us from the inside out. And Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And we pray in your powerful name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. amen.